0: Sean mentioned earlier in his remarks when he was welcoming everybody, it had been a difficult week. You can't help but be touched by the different things that you have seen and heard probably this week. Maybe many of you have been filled with emotion. Maybe you've expressed that emotion in different ways already. We're in the series called Enjoy. We've been walking through the book of Philippians, and my intention was to camp out in chapter 3 today and, and kind of just take a stroll with Paul as he writes to the church there, looking at the idea that we talked about during communion of how it's all about Christ and not about us. But I had a lot of joy stolen this week. You know, we've talked about joy stealers. Those things that happen in life that just come up and seem to, to take the joy away from you so that you are, you're no longer that little kid that's sitting on the front row of Vacation Bible School. You're, you're no longer that, that little gal that is, that is just so excited and just so filled with enthusiasm as you're singing, who's the king of the jungle? Who, who Who's the king of the sea? Wada, wada, wada. Who's the king of the universe? And who's the king of me? His name is… Oh, you haven't been to Vacation Bible School, have you? Uh Uh-uh. See, I said the last couple of weeks, some of us have forgotten what it was like at Vacation Bible School. You're like, we didn't sing that song when I went to Vacation Bible School. We get so excited as kids, and there's so many things that bring us joy, and we enjoy times that we're going to have next week with Vacation Bible School, but things just happen in our life, and, and there's just joy that's just sucked out of it. And maybe it's a death in the family that happened uh, for my family this last week. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that happens at the job for you. Maybe it's something that's, that's gone on in your home. I don't know. Or maybe it was just the sights and sounds as you were reading through Facebook, as you were turning on the television and, and seeing different things that would happen in Louisiana and in Minnesota and in Texas, And maybe it brings up to mind things that have already happened in, in Florida and I it just keeps on going. And it just seems like every time you you'd, you'd look at the newspaper, every time you turn the page and you see what's going on in, in, in just in downtown Chattanooga or different things that are happening, you're like, man, where's the joy? So we're going to put a tab in Philippians just a minute today. We'll come back to it next week, but we'll just put a tab there, put a little marker and it will come back because I did feel appropriate to address in some feeble way this morning some of the emotions that are, that are being felt throughout our society. Because church does not exist in a vacuum, you understand this, right? That you and I make up church and we live and we breathe and we work and we play out in our society, and we are touched by things that go on out there. And we are influenced by those things. And our emotions are challenged by those different things that we, that we see. For the last year and a half or so, oftentimes whenever we have our welcome and introduction, somebody will say, we are learning what it means to become a multicultural church. If you heard us say that? Raise your hand if you've heard us say something about us becoming a multicultural church. All right, good. A lot of hands went up. That's awesome. Some of you have heard it a lot, right? Because I've even had people ask before and say, why do we say that every week? We got it. We understand. And I usually say, well, we're not saying that necessarily for you, we're saying it for the visitor that's sitting beside you. Or we're saying it for someone that is new that's sitting over here in this section that wasn't over here last week or whatever. And we're also saying it because it's true. We are learning what it means to become a multicultural congregation. And we need to say that because that is a very difficult thing. For a, for a long time, and in the majority of religious institutions, Our Sundays and our churches are segregated. Just how it's been. And individuals, more often than not, worshiped and sang alongside and prayed alongside and shared communion alongside and did BBS alongside. Individuals that looked and talked and walked a lot like they did. Now yeah, there's differences here and there, and there's some places where maybe that's not the case. But generally speaking, that's just kind of been how it is, especially here in our southern culture. And so, we become used to being with people that just look like us. We become used to people that dress like us, and people that think like us, and talk like us, and, and that's just who we are. We don't think anything else about it until the other person shows up. That other person that's older than you, or that other person that's younger than you. That that other person who doesn't share your upbringing, that other person that doesn't live in your neighborhood, that other person that doesn't share your ethnicity, that other person that does not speak your language, that other person that didn't grow up in your church. The other shows up. And then what do you do? Well, sociologists tell us that whenever there's the presence of a other, whatever that other might be, that there is a setting ripe for conflict. All you have to do is have an other and you have a setting that is just waiting for there to be conflict because individuals have to figure out how do we treat each other? What are we going to do now that there are individuals who are not like us? How am I going to act when I am in a setting and I feel like I am the minority? Or I'm in a setting and I feel like I am with the majority, but there's just something different that's taking place. Sociologists tell us that it's just right for conflict. And, And so, it should not be a surprise then as we look out across society that we see that When our culture pushes us to become more and more other or group oriented that we have more and more conflict and problems. Have you begun to see, has it begun to resonate with you how it seems like that you're supposed to fit in some kind of category? That you can't just be a human being anymore. You have to be a certain type of human being. You have to be a human being of a certain color, or you have to be a human being of a certain sexuality. You have to be a human being of a certain nationality. You have to be a human being of a certain party. You have to be a human being in a certain culture. You just can't be a human being anymore. You got to be an other. You got to be some kind of group. And because more and more people are being pushed into these different groupings, it's right for conflict. And so, we stand up and we say, hey, we're learning what it means to be a multicultural congregation. Because we have, we have been praying for God to open up our doors and bring us whoever wants to come. White, black, Latino, short, tall, lots of hair, no hair, doesn't matter. And our God has, has answered those prayers in a way that has been beautiful. He's answered those prayers in a way that when you look around now, our assembly more and more, you see those who are older, you see those who are younger. You see those who speak English. You see those who speak Spanish. You see individuals who are black. You see individuals who are white. You see individuals somewhere in between. You have people here that grew up cutting their teeth on Church of Christ pews, and you have people that have never walked in the doors of a Church of Christ or they came in this place. And this is all answer to prayer. This is all God's answer to us saying, Lord, we just want to be your people in this place. But here's the deal. Oftentimes when God answers prayer, and, and when, God, when God brings people together, it causes It causes people to have to evaluate themselves and to adjust sometimes their way of thinking. Because God has never been a God that just sees things one way. He's never been a God that just sees one color. He's never been a God that just hears one language. He's never been a God that just looks at one type of society, because He is the creator of everyone. And because He is so multifaceted in His Ability, because he is so expressive in the way that he has poured out blessing upon his creation, when then we pray and say, Lord, open our doors and he sends in people who want to be with Christ, then we have to evaluate our own hearts. And we have to do some soul searching sometimes. See the beauty of church is that God brings together people that normally would never be together. I mean, think about it. For a lot of us, there is not any kind of interaction that we have outside of church in our bond that we share here. We work in different places, we live in different communities, people have gone you know, to different schools, but yet we are all here and we are all present and we are all at this place. And what is it that has brought us together? But it is the blood of Christ. And that was the beautiful thing that God was doing as His Spirit was poured out upon His creation with this idea of the new covenant that all people would be brought to Him. And that's why the Apostle Paul would write to the church in Galatia and he would say, You know what? There There's no Jew, there's there's no Gentile, there's there's no slave, there's no free, there's no male, there's no female, because all are one in Christ Jesus. And so, we try to stand up and remind each other that listen, we're learning what it means to become multicultural and multigenerational. We are learning what it means to love our neighbor as ourselves. we're learning what it means when We're trying to not look out only for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. We're learning what it means to live in a community of believers that are not always — everybody's alike. And I praise God for the opportunity to do that, and I am thankful for the successes that we have had here as a congregation. And for the way that God has poured out his mercy and grace upon our failures, and how he has given us more and more opportunity to grow and mature into the people that he desires for us to be. And so, we're going to continue to remind you that we are becoming a multicultural place. And we are going to continue to pray that God will send us just human beings. Not any certain type. Not young or old, not black or white, not English or Hispanic, not any other kind of group or category. We're just praying for souls. That's it. And as God sends souls, as God sends people into our lives, into our sphere of influence, we are going to speak with them about what it means to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And we're going to celebrate as individuals say, I want to be baptized into Christ because I want my sins to be washed away, and I want to be a follower of Jesus. Now I go through that and say those things, and many of you in here understand and and agree, and that's why when you see things that have happened like is taking place right now in our society, and when you, when you feel the different emotions that are being brought out, it just just bothers you. Because we look around and we see where people just aren't getting along. And people are acting out in ways that are just unimaginable. And so we wonder, what do we do? And so I just want to spend just a couple of minutes here in a passage in the book of Psalms. I shared this with our uh, 6 p.m. worship uh, a few weeks back after the the shootings in Orlando. And I thought it appropriate now after what's gone on uh, this week to share it with everyone that's here. And so, I want you to open up to Psalm chapter 37. And I want us to look at this because I think it speaks to, to how, how God's people respond in times when, when there is persecution, when there is hatred present. And I think it can help us in expressing, perhaps, our emotions in in positive ways. As you're looking here, I want you to see that it's attributed to David. And David knew what it was like to be hunted down. He knew what it was like to be persecuted. He knew what it was like to be hated, because before David was even crowned king, his predecessor, Saul. He would hunt after him and David would have to go and hide out in caves and and David would have to to run for his life on many different occasions. And yet he refrained from seeking vengeance upon Saul even though he had more than one opportunity to go and do that. And I bring that up to, to say I've, I've almost wanted to join some of you on a social media fast. You know what I mean? You start reading through some of the things that's been put on social media lately and seeing some of the different things that are said, and you just see all the emotion that builds up. And I mean, how do you respond when, when you feel like there is evil all around? Look at verse 1. He says, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither, and like green plants, they will soon die away." Now, if you're reading from the New International Version, which I just did, or maybe the New King James, uh, that particular verse there begins with the idea of not fretting. Now, when we hear that verse in our context and in our culture, we think about not being anxious. But the original word actually has a deeper meaning, a little bit more intensity there in the Hebrew. And the word means to be hot. It means to be furious, it means to burn, it means to become angry, it means means to be kindled, to be angry with, to be incensed, and I love this one, to heat oneself into vexation. I don't know if you've ever been heated into vexation before. Mm. Sounds bad. So it's not, don't be anxious, don't worry when you hear about evil men. Somehow, David is saying, do not be furious. Do not burn. Do not be kindled with anger. So, how is that possible? I mean, didn't we see Jesus? Didn't we see Jesus in his anger when he went to the temple? He overturned the tables because. The, the purpose of the temple was not being used appropriately and, and people were being kept from God and, and we talk about righteous anger and, and shouldn't we be angry when, when you have individuals no matter color, no matter creed, no matter background, when their lives are taken for no reason? What's he talking about? says, don't, don't heat oneself into vexation because of evil men, or be envious of those who do wrong, for they like grass will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. David seemed to have this perspective, and he seemed to say there is evil and there is going to be hateful, awful things, but it is only temporary. You say, but it hurts when it happens, and and, and it's painful to to listen to, and and it just grieves my soul. And he says, listen, it's not going to be forever. It's not going to be forever. And and you're going to see why he talks about being careful about the anger that you have. Because look what he says down in verse 8. He says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not, here it is again, fret. Do not burn, he says, because it leads only to evil. See, here's what David understands. Righteous anger. Because we're human, can oftentimes lead to ungodly anger. So he says turn away from it. He says turn away from anger and turn away from wrath. Do not, do not burn, do not be kindled because it only leads to evil. And and what do we see that's happening around right now in our society? What do we see individuals saying of how people want to respond in certain ways? The anger builds up and it becomes so overpowering and it begins to control individuals and they lash out in ways that are truly evil. You see, when we give anger and rage a foothold in our life, then absolutely nothing good can come from it. It doesn't matter if the rage is rooted in the attacks from, from Dallas or the attacks in Louisiana or the attacks in Chattanooga. It doesn't matter if it's a disagreement with your husband, a wife, or a coworker. Rage and anger will rot you from the inside out. And so God counsels us to resist the urge to burn with anger. Just turn away from it. Then look at verse 3. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. It's not some mere emotion, a simply trite word spoken, it's it's a conscious act of will. It's trust that's placing our absolute confidence in God regardless of the situation at hand. And the word that's translated here, trust, in the Hebrew language, it means to have confidence, to be secure, and it means to feel safe. Any of you talking to your kids, have you had to talk to them about feeling unsafe? Any of you here are part of our congregation? Have you had your own unsafe feelings? Have you been concerned about driving down the road because of the color of your skin? You've been concerned about things you wear or who you are? You just don't feel safe. He says, trust the Lord. Be safe in the Lord. You see, there's many of us who are sitting in here this morning who just don't feel safe. I mean, if if people can, people get, get shot just down the road, how can you feel safe? And so we're told to have confidence in God. I shared this a few weeks ago when I talked to the 6 p.m. worship group. An individual wrote this in 2001 after the World Trade Center attacks. They said, do I feel safe? How can I? If it isn't psycho teenagers with guns attacking a high school, then it's terrorists hijacking our aircrafts and destroying our major na- national buildings with them, and in doing so, slaughtering thousands, possibly tens of thousands of innocents. There's no such thing as safe anymore. I'm growing up and living in a time fueled by hate, greed, and violence. I can handle going to school and feeling a tad bit unsafe, but now I, do I have to flip out every time I go into a tall building also? People keep saying we must retaliate, and the way I agree, but we shouldn't have to retaliate. This whole thing shouldn't have occurred. What's wrong with people in this world? I keep hearing I'll pray for the people who died and their families, and I can't help but think that it won't do any good. Because those people are still dead. Their families will still be hurting. Nothing will change that. So I'll just save my breath. Do you feel the pain there? Do you know how uncomfortable it is for us as church leadership to have to sit and talk about having security cameras in our preschool area, having to have alarms that can be triggered so that we can alert teachers of potential lockdowns? You say, what's the use? The wise author of Proverbs, though, says that we don't need to save our breath. Instead, we need to confess our trust in God and Him alone. When he writes, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord, get this, whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. It's kept safe. See, we can be safe in God, we can trust in God, because He is faithful and He has always been faithful to those who are under attack and who have cried out for Him for comfort and strength in the midst of their hurt and fear. Trusting God is not some kind of lucky rabbit's foot, it's not just something that Christians put underneath their arm and carry with them along with their Bible on the way to worship, but it's something that provides true confidence when we face the most unnerving of situations. Confidence that our king really knows what's going on, that he's really watching, and that he is still in control. And that even though there is evil present, and even though there is injustice in our land, that there is an end to it. And there is a God. Finally, it says in verse 7, And maybe this is what you need to hear more than anything after the week that you've had. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not — here's our word again — fret, do not be heated with vexation when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Did you know that verse was in your Bible? Maybe you need to mark it. Maybe you need to mark it and you need to sit down maybe and talk with your kids about it. Maybe you need to mark it and you need to sit down and, and pray over it during this next week. You need to be able to pull it out and remember the next time you see something on Facebook, the next time something pops up on CNN or Fox or whatever it might be. Because there's still going to be evil tonight and they're still going to be evil tomorrow and there will be evil Until this world ends, but Jesus says, do not be afraid, for I have overcome the world. Be still before the Lord. Be still in His presence when catastrophe comes upon us. We are not to make rash judgments. We are not to fall apart in hopeless despair. We are not to become incensed with rage, but we are to wait upon the Lord. See, I've got good news for you this morning. God will deliver us from the tragedies of this last week, and just as He has delivered us from the tragedies that have taken place in the past. Just as He will continue to deliver us from any tragedies that perhaps befall us before this time or our time on this earth is over. We are not to make rash judgments. We're not going to fall apart in hopeless despair, as I said, but God has promised to deliver It is our duty to cry out in humility to Him and in repentance. You see, I do believe that we can feel safe today. And here's one final passage for you. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to His kingdom. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen." We are learning what it means here to be a multicultural congregation. We want to be an example to our community on what it means to have people of different backgrounds and of different walks and of different color and of different origin. What it means to have those people be able to be together in peace, in love, in unity. And we continue to pray that God will forgive us of our shortcomings and that He will strengthen us in our weaknesses. And that we will be able to continue to be a light and lead others into the kingdom of His dear Son. And so I ask you to join with me and to join with those who are sitting around you and beside you. Don't be heated with vexation. Don't allow the anger for what you see going on, the evil that takes place to cause you, yourself to fall into the trap of evil things. Instead you make the pledge with the person that's beside you that you will put your trust in the Lord, that you will put your trust in Him, that you will wait patiently for Him, and you will not become overburdened with anger when evil men succeed in their ways. And as you wait on Him, that you'll remember the best commandments, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we're tired. tired of having to answer our children's questions about why, why some people do the things that they do. We're tired of having to to hear about things that don't make sense, then have to try to come to sense with it. We're tired of looking around and feeling as if more and more people are just turning away from you. That they're not listening to your counsel. They're not, they're not heeding your warnings. We're tired of hearing about families losing sons and daughters and children, losing mothers and fathers. We're tired of reading about all the the hate and the anger and seeing all the name calling. We're tired of all the grouping and all the ways that labels are being put on people. We're just tired of how it makes us feel because we feel so, so helpless and we feel like that, we feel like the world is just, it's just falling apart. And we know that the battles that we see going on, that there are, that there are battles taking place at the heavenly realms, battles between good and, and evil. And Father, just sometimes it seems like evil wins. And I just pray that you would I pray that you would open our hearts pray that you would open our hearts so that we might be able to understand and see things from your perspective that we might be able to see you sitting mightily on your throne that we might feel and know that you are in control even in the midst of the chaos And Father, that you might, that you might teach us how to respond. Help us learn what it truly means to be multicultural and multi-generational. And Father, help us not to see the cultures. And help us not to see the generations. Help us instead to... To see one another as individual souls and help us to, help us to see one another as individuals who long for relationship with you. Help us to see one another as individuals who daily are in need of your grace. And allow us to be a place of peace and allow us to be a place of refuge and allow us to be an example to the community around us. Let it start with us. May we love our neighbor. May we show love to the person who's in front of us, who's behind us, those people who are beside us. Though they don't share our color or our language, though they don't share our history or our background. And Father, would you allow us to trust in you more? To trust in you, to to wait patiently upon you, to not burn with anger and to not let that anger overcome us so that we say things that we should not say, so that we do things we should not do. Father forgive us for the anger that has been perhaps within us over the last few weeks or months and for the way it's caused us to treat others. Fill us with your humility. Fill us with your love, fill us with your compassion, and fill us with your peace. And may it rest upon us because we're tired. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want you to know that you can still have joy in the midst of the chaos. Because as we've been trying to learn going through Philippians, joy is found in the presence of God. And I truly believe that God is with us today. And I believe that if you're an individual, that if you would like somebody, if you'd just like to have just a time of special prayer. I know together we just bowed our heads before God, but maybe, maybe you need to come before this body. You just need to say, you know what? I have been overcome with anger because of what I've seen, and I want to be able to I want to be able to process this in the right way and live in the right way. And I need, I need the prayers of this church for that. Maybe you're someone that has, has been slow to open your eyes to those who are around you. You've been slow to accept. You've been slow to, to love. You've been slow to show compassion. Maybe you need to come and just own that and say, you know what? I need to be more like Christ in the way that I live around others and in the way that I treat other people. Maybe you'd like to be baptized into Christ this morning because you realize, you know what? In Christ, everyone is welcome, and in Christ, there is no color, and in Christ, there is no ethnicity. In Christ, all are one, and I want to be a part of that. And I want God to take away the sin in my life so that I can live for Him. We're going to sing to encourage each other, and I pray that God's peace will be upon you as you leave. I pray that you can leave with joy knowing that you are not walking out of these doors helpless and that the things that will take place during this next week are not going to be able to overcome you because we still serve a God who is in control. And we have a Savior. And we have a Savior who has promised to give us peace that passes all understanding. Whatever your need might be, we encourage you to come if you need to as we stand and as we praise God together.